Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next conversation is about a film called Gun Runners. It's a great film. You need to see this movie. It's going to get a wide theatrical release here in Canada, apparently sometime in the fall. Uh, Angeline Nair is the uh, director. It's just a 10-year project. This is a film about uh, friendship. It is a film about running. It's a film about a whole lot of things. It's a, it's, a, it's a movie about life and about what it means to interact with our family and our friends and our communities and with others uh, in a variety of places and in a variety of ways uh, around us. So uh, you're going you're gonna to learn a lot about filmmaking, actually, I think, uh, in, this, in this interview, but you're also going to get a better sense for what it means to actually um, hmm, listen. And I think that's certainly been a theme for me, not only at Hot Docs this year and the films that I've seen, but also as a development worker. And as I move uh, and work in the Global South, the idea of listening to others is so essential to, to pretty much everything across the board. Better parent, better husband, better wives, better friends, if we listen to others. So thanks, Anjali, for this uh, beautiful film, Gunrunners. Check it out, uh, National Film Board. Uh, there'll be more information online. And um, yeah, davidpecklive.com for more information on, on my podcasting. And you'll see some other great interviews there. We've got about seven or eight from Hot Docs this year. And uh, check us out online. And this is Gunrunners. Well, welcome to Face to Face, and we are joined by another very special guest today, a filmmaker, a documentarian from, well, from Montreal, but uh, someone who's currently now living in Kenya, Anjali Nayar, uh, is here to talk about her new film, Gunrunner. Uh, Anjali, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's, it's, you know, it's always a privilege for me to interview filmmakers and especially documentarians because the stories are just so, I don't know, layered and rich and, and nuanced in so many regards. And I would love to hear a little bit about, I don't know, the, the, you know, I was, I was speaking to one filmmaker about her film uh, recently and it started with her reading an article about music uh, in the desert in Iran. 
in the and she reads this article in the UK, and then you know five years later we've got a film premiering at Hot Docs. Can you can you talk a little bit about that sort of seed that 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 pebble that was dropped in the pond for you that started this splash and ripple effect around gun runners? Absolutely. I was uh, I was uh, a journalist at the time, actually doing a CBC Dispatches uh, radio story up mm. in northern Kenya, okay. and it was 2006, so that's actually longer than five years. It's 10 years ago. Wow. And um, I'm, I was on the uh, finish line of this peace marathon for warriors and reformed warriors, and I met these two men, Julius Arrive and Robert Matanda, and they were larger than life, and, mm. you know, um, Julius Arrive had this wonderful gap to smile, <laughs> and he was so incredibly charming. Telling, telling me about his story, and Robert Matanda was telling me how he used to run away from police, um, even like 100 kilometers. So these, you know, 10-kilometer races were really nothing for him. And um, I don't really, I don't think I really anticipated that I was making a film hmm. at the time. I was mm-hmm. really, really just interested in their stories. Um, you know, filmmaking, a lot of what it is, like it, about filmmaking that makes it special is that you enter into another world. Mm-hmm. And just by standing there speaking with them for that short amount of time, I, I entered into this right. other oh, world. Yeah. They brought me in. They were such fabulous storytellers. Um, so again, and were they, and were they uh, you know, uh, as a team? Like, was it the two of them together kind of hanging out with you, chatting uh, in, in the moment? Or were there th- these separate sort of conversations? Uh, no, they were there together as friends. Mm, nice. They were friends um, that were training together at the time. Um, and I think that that's how I met them. Um, as friends, and I met them as friends who had known each other their entire lives and been through a very mm-hmm. similar pro- mm-hmm. like process up until that point. Um, so, you know, I didn't really anticipate that I was making a 90-minute right, um, right. documentary at the time, but I really knew that there was the beginning of a story there and beginning of a conversation that I wanted to keep on having. And it wasn't until really a couple of years later, um, you know, that after we'd been friends and been talking on the phone every day, um, that we really, we really realized that we were making a documentary. So that's really how it started. It started as friendship and just the ability to step into another reality. And were you, fi- were you actually, yeah, were, were, I love how you say you 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 entered into this other story. Were, were you there to film a story for CBC or were you there to write an article? What, what, what? I was there to collect some sound and I wrote a, a little news article for the, the paper. That's why I was actually there, but I was there to think about doing some stuff for the CBC radio. Um, I hadn't Mm. done a radio piece ever in my life before, and I was Mm. kind of Mm. excited about the opportunity. So I headed up there with my kit and just was recording some sound and and basically fell onto a story that took me 10 years to complete all the way up to the Hot Docs premiere. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. That's got to be affirming and encouraging to pretty much every filmmaker out there. (laughs) amazing. So did you actually have a, a camera with you in, in 2006 when you met the two of them? No, I did not. And would you have called, had, and um, would you have called yourself, uh, would you have called yourself a filmmaker back then? Um, you know, I was working as a journalist, as a foreign correspondent at okay. the time. I had done um, documentary film. Um, I studied at the uh, Columbia University. Like mm-hmm. I did the graduate um, journalism program. And, um, but I mean, I was working in, in different mediums sure. and so on, but didn't have any of my own equipment at that time. It was before kind of really the DSLR, you know, phase where, right. you know, equipment became 
like affordable. So um, it really was a different time in filmmaking. Um, and, you, and you kind of experience that through the film itself because the footage changes so much. The experience changes so much. The, the quality of everything changes so much sure. during the course of those 10 years. But I think, you know, what that started on, on the end line of that marathon was just an understanding of two fantastic storytellers. Mm -hmm. And that really dictated how I made this film because as opposed to a lot of films from the global south where you've got a, an intervening, you know, narrator or you have a really dictated storyline about a social issue about something, I really just wanted to give them the microphone. Right. And, and I think nice. that um, that makes this special. And, and at least that's what my community of filmmakers really, really harps on, on and on about is how this is different from most films that come out. Well, I mean, I think one of the trainers in the film actually at some point talks about Julius and says, you know, you could tell he's very special. And I think even as a viewer right out of the gate, within minutes of meeting the two of them, you get a sense the, for the, I don't know, the transparency, the authenticity, the... The, the, the humanity of these guys that, that, that they're almost unaware of the camera in a way. I, like I felt like I was getting the real Robert and the real Julius. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's a, a few different things. I think one that's built on trust. Mm. You know, our mm -hmm. relationship wasn't such that, you know, I had to try to get access to anything. I started right. with access. And nice. um, so it was a situation where when things were happening in their lives, I knew about them. Right. We knew about what was going to happen tomorrow, so we could navigate that. And you know, the, probably the the most transparent scene is the uh, family intervention yeah. scene. Mm -hmm. um, and really, I'd been hearing from you know a relay for some time that you know things were really hard at home. He kept on getting angry phone calls because uh, the family wanted him to come home for a family meeting. And this is something that he always talks about these family meetings. And I said, well, really, the next, next time they call you home for a family meeting. Um, can I come along? Right. And um, so we, we showed up, and um, by this point we had a three-person team, although for the first five years of the film I was filming alone. Um, and uh, so we, we actually filmed that scene for about two hours. And although I speak Swahili, I do not speak Pakat. So, you know, I really didn't have any idea of the language that was being used mm. um, mm -hmm. for the scene, but mm. the, the tension was the, palpable. The... Oh, the t and, the, and the tension comes through. Is that the one where the pretty much the family and mom get together and say, what have you brought home other than these empty trophies? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's quite, it's quite a scene. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And it's, 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 hard, it's actually hard to watch. Yeah, and it's a very different type of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's very difficult um, I think, I mean, I'm, I have these very, two very charismatic and strong male characters, you know, and to get to that level of intimacy where they were telling me the things that, that confused them and that pained them and that, you know, that, that took years to yeah, develop. Sure. Um, I think, you know, the first time that Arile told me about what happened to him um, when he was a child and why his family put so much pressure on him wasn't through an interview. It wasn't through a conversation. He was at. Um, he was on his way to some marathon at some point, um, and he stopped in Nairobi and uh, and came to visit. And we had lunch or something. And he said, "You know, I've been learning to type a bit. And you can see in the film how how poor of a typer he is." Mm -hmm. So this, t he he said, "I want to borrow your computer." And I said, "Okay." So I gave him my computer, and he went onto the balcony, and he started typing. And about three hours later. 
he was like, okay, I've got to go to my plane now. I said, okay, so we'll, we'll see you later. Um, later that evening, I opened the computer, and he had actually typed out this entire story of what had happened to him as a child. Wow. And it was like, it was this re- like revelation that I, I didn't, I didn't anticipate. I didn't know if it was real. I didn't. Yeah, it was sure. So out of left field. Right. It was this little confession that he had left for me, you know. Um, but that was the nature of, you know. And we then talked about it slowly. We went for, you know, a couple months later, we went for a walk, and I tried to understand these things, and and it was really the piecing together of is, all those little moments. Is this kind of the 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 violence of his past, essentially, that came up that you weren't aware of up until this point? No, no, it was it was the that he had gotten the neighbor's daughter pregnant, mm, and that right. his whole family had blamed him for you know the the poverty, that right. blamed him for the lack of opportunity, had blamed him for everything. Right, right. And that's why they put so much pressure on him because they feel like he has owed them from the age of thirteen. You know? Right, right. Um, he which kind of the family, which, according which, to them, which helps to sort of explain that family situation, right? Or that sorry, that scene, I guess, in the film, and, and also, I think for me, at, at certain points, I, I, I kind of was asking the question of: Are these just a couple of irresponsible men that I'm dealing with here, that I'm watching their lives unfold, or are these just really focused, committed people who are passionate that want to change the world? And I, and I, I don't think it's either or. I don't think, but. But I did sort of go, is this guy kind of, you know, shirking all of his responsibility? But when you start to hear the story and you and you get on the inside of somebody's life, you see the nuance, the complexity, the paradox. And it's mm-hmm. never never quite that simple, really, is it? It's, ne- it's never simple. Um, and I think that becoming a runner, um, unfortunately, if you have all these commitments, if you have people calling you every day, I mean... You can't deal with that as a runner. Becoming a good runner <laughs> is not only training, it's a meditation. In mm. order to like actually get through, you know, over 40 kilometers on a race course is an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. In order to have the ability to sustain those quiet moments, I mean, you're talking about hours of headspace a day. Yeah, well, it's crazy. And, and if yeah. you've got difficulties, it is really, really, really tough to overcome them and still perform. Are you a runner yourself? Um, it's actually, yeah, I grew up playing soccer. So, oh, okay. So you um, kind of get it. <laughs> I absolutely get it. And yeah. I have um, run half marathons and 10Ks and so on, especially when I moved to Kenya. Um, and right. who knows, maybe the marathon is to come. Um, right. Arile and I really, we joke about the fact that he, you know, could finish his marathon, you know, say if he was come to Toronto in the fall. Right. He would finish his marathon. He would go home. He would have a nap, go out to lunch, and then he would probably stroll back to the finish line, and I would be finishing about two and a half hours later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. That's pretty funny. Yeah, if it was me, come back in a couple of days, because I would have checked into the hotel about 20 kilometers back. Yeah. Maybe me too. Yeah, I would have been in the hot tub at that point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you would have just met him. You would have left the course and met him at lunch. That's right. <laughs> Please order for me if you don't mind. I'll see you Great. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at what point, I mean, wow, 10 years, five years filming on your own. Fascinating. Amazing. I mean, and by the way, congratulations on the film. I, it's wonderful. It's beautiful to watch. I mean, the one, you know, you, you, that a series of establishing shots at the beginning, I so loved the 
the that opening sort of slow motion shot of them running on their shadows. And oh, great. I, I mean, oh yeah, no, it's just I mean, getting I love I love the. I just love that experience of, of, of being brought in on a variety of levels. And when you're, when you know, you're going to be interviewing somebody, you're, you know, you're a little more attentive, I suppose, in a way, but, mm -hmm. but yet I also know that it's working on a whole other level as well, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so congrats on, a, on an amazing film. I mean, it, there's a sense that I, I don't know what this movie's about in a, in, in a way, you know, if I showed this to my students, at Humber College, international development students who are about to go out and hopefully change the world in one way, shape, or form, um, mm -hmm. and, and ask them to write a paper on it, which I think would be a fascinating experience. I think we'd get a lot of different perspectives, which I think is brilliant. W what, I mean, this movie's not really about running, is it? I think, um, yeah, I think you've really hit it on <laughs> the nail there. Um, I just, so many films that come out of the global south yep. are social issue-based. Yes, right? yes. I mean, if you look at all the opening films um, at Hot Talks this weekend, gender violence, it's about, um, you know, a lot of LGBT, like, issues. Yep. You've got everything is about an issue. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, like when I'm walking around Kenya or with my friends or uh, with Aurelia Matanda, like, issues in life come up in the same way that they come up in Canada or in the U.S. or in Europe. Or in India, things come up and we deal with them, yeah. But to to the kind of perception that everything is an issue, that poverty is an issue, that the gun trade is an issue, um, and that that is the focus of the story, mm. I think is it does a disservice mm -hmm. to the people and their experiences and the way that they navigate these things. And probably because I live in Kenya and it's my home, um, and these. These are two men that I respect and love. I tried to strip that all away mm -hmm. and show it to everyone as the landscape on which right. these two men are really fighting, you know, are up against community pressures, family pressures, um, and really just are trying to, and their own personal, you know, failures yeah. and flaws, yeah. and really just trying to change their life, which is something that I think is, is the story that we're all going through. We're all Absolutely. trying to have a better life and make things better for our families and our children. Um, and that's really what this story is about. So I think that sports is an incredible lens for transformation in terms of, of that. And that's why it's so important in terms of this storyline is because we all understand to get to the, you know, the starting line of a marathon, you don't just rock up. It takes, mm. it takes a village to get you there. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, yeah. and whether you're there trying to lose weight or whether yeah. you're there yeah. raising money for, you know, for somebody who's developed breast cancer, you're there for a reason. And I think undoing and kind of unweaving um, what it takes to get to that point and why you're doing it is, is really important because um, that entire, you know, sports is such, it's, it's really the journey. It's the hero's journey, and that's why it works so well. Well, it's such, it's such a, on some level, such a simple metaphor, I suppose, for this idea of striving and change and, and, and getting back up after you've fallen down and so on. But it is also something that all of us can connect with on some, in some way, shape, or form. We've all, we've all, I mean, those, there's a couple scenes where, where he's grabbing his side, I think, even in the last few minutes of the New York Marathon, the stitch, oh, yeah. and you're just kind of going, no, please tell me no, it's not, you know, and I mean, we've, I'm not, I'm no runner, believe me, 
Um, I, ac I actually <laughs> there's think there's always it, a time to change. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I find it. I think it's a form of self-flagellation. That's uh, that's what I believe. Yeah. I uh, now now having said that, I like to bike, so I do I do exercise. I don't want you to think I'm just some sort of um, sloth. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I find the whole idea of running is just such an incredible, uh, almost obsessive commitment, you know, and that really does come through in the film to some degree. And in fact, wouldn't you say kind of creates a little bit of tension in their friendship? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah. I, and in and, and as much as this wasn't about a social issue, I also didn't really want to bring any talking heads in. And so whether mm, things nice. were true or not, um, I felt like the biggest critic of, of the relay is Matanda, and the biggest critic of Matanda is a relay. It's so they funny. were their, you know, they were they were their yeah. own, you know, they yes. were a reflection of each other. Yeah. yeah. And um, I really, really wanted this film to just be the experience of that. That it's such a great scene when they haven't seen each other for a while and they get back in the van and I don't know where they were heading, maybe to some training or something near the end of the film. And, and, uh, uh, Robert is going on. I think it's after the, the election and Julia says something to the effect of, yeah, he talks a lot, but he really doesn't say too much. Yeah. <laughs> he would have made a great politician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, um, I mean, I look at this, I mean, if you struck, you said, okay, well, this film isn't really about running. I think running is a tool. I think mm. the, the guns mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. idea of redemption is a sure. tool. Sure. But if you strip it all back, it's actually, um, I don't know if you want to call it a buddy story or a love yeah, story. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it is a love story. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And it, I think it's, I mean, it's just, what I love about it is, it, it, I mean, it's a story about community. It's a story, it's a story about all of us and, and, uh, we are all in this crazy, beautiful mess together. That, that's what I see. And, and I don't think you have to reach to see that, you know? And I think, I think it's brilliant that you didn't focus on the or the one issue in, in, a, in a significant way yet made it a part of the story. Because we're all, we're all in that same, I suppose, same boat. I mean, you don't want to undersell it either, because it's mm -hmm. clearly something that my kids will never have to deal with, I don't think, um, you know, based on the way things are going. Uh, but, but yes, we're all still kind of struggling through the s similar issues. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, it was very clear to me, especially as we started doing um, commercial screenings. You know, during the festival, we showed at Scotiabank Theatre, which is a commercial theatre. And, um, and, and watching the audience watch the film is incredible. Mm. You know? um, the mm. range of emotions mm. and laughter mm. and people taking off their glasses, mm. you know, even in, nice. in places that I didn't even anticipate, you know, halfway through the New York Marathon, um, you know, and I don't want to give out away too much, but there's so many things that are going on for people that I didn't even anticipate, that we couldn't have anticipated. Sure. And, and the power of the crowd in watching the film is really, really special. So... I think I think that is what's really unique and what I'm really enjoying at this stage in the film's life is just seeing the different ways that people are connecting to it because there's so many different levels for people to connect to. What what do you think uh, the film does for uh, those of us in the West who who don't get a chance to visit uh, countries in the in the majority world who don't get a sense for what it's actually like to you know, just to see see another culture, live within another culture, uh, uh, have to to relate to people that don't speak their language, and so on. I mean, I know people who haven't gone outside of Ontario. You know, what what 
what what does a film like this say say to somebody like that? Do you think? Well, it's interesting because I think um, every single person that has watched the film, you know, like in the audience and so on, people were coming up to me afterwards, and really their number one comment was like, "Wow, you've captured life. Mm, you've captured nice. this place in a way that, you know, um, that it, that so few are privileged to capture." people and their emotions and the reality of things because even if you go and visit Kenya today or you know Ethiopia tomorrow the likelihood that you'll get this insight into community and culture and language and and frustrations and vulnerability especially of, of men um, mm. is, is quite unlikely it takes 10 years to get there um, and I think that that's um, the opportunity, I suppose, for people that have never been to these other places that, you know, love is different. Mm. Um, the, I mean, in, it's expressed differently, should we say, um, you know, in that, in that family scene. Um, the tough love or the tough emotion, it's a very, there's so many universal aspects to those emotions, mm -hmm. but they're mm -hmm. presented so differently. Yes. And to, to some extent, I was just an observer of that. Right, right. And I, sh and I showed the audience um, what I was able to witness from my privileged position of having this wonderful friendship with these men. You know? At one point, Julius says, says that he dreams, he dreamt about the future, but mostly he dreamt about money. Um, do you think that he was, he was so focused on this because of that, I don't know, maybe a sense of guilt that he carried with him or the sense of obligation that his brothers and family and so on had kind of laid on him. Um, I mean, all, obviously we all, we don't really understand what the heck we're all about until we look back at our past and we, we make sense of it in a particular way, I suppose. But I just wonder, uh, I don't get the sense that he was like, oh, I've got to get first place. I've got, you know, this is not about the trophies. This is not... Uh, merely an ego thing for for him. No, it's it's not an it's not an ego thing. I think definitely the pressures are entirely from the community and mm. from his family. And um, I mean, everybody wants a better life. Yes. And in terms of me kind of unraveling that, you know, from our com my conversations with Aurelia, it went to a lot of our conversations surrounded, you know, when you're training 35 kilometers on a Sunday. And any Sunday, you know, um, like what do you think about, right. you know, and what and and you know when you are preparing for a race, when you're race day, what do you think about? And you know that other day you said you didn't sleep well. Why did you wake up in the middle of the night? Right. So a lot of like what was going on in his head um, was something that we sussed out together. Right. We 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 figured out together, and I think when he watched the film back, it was so. Um, you know, the first question you ask when you're a filmmaker is, did I make any mistakes? And um, and he said, no, I mean, you didn't make any mistakes. Mm. Like, we made mistakes. Right. We're the ones that made mistakes. And it was so interesting for him to be able to see that and and have it motivate him in sure, a way. Sure. To be able to, like, yeah. isolate the, the, the issues and the things that he was challenged by sure. and think about them in a new way and realize what he had to do. So, <laughs> So you clearly are very good friends with these two guys and their families. I would I would think by now after this many year these many years, did you ever get a sense as the filmmaker that 
Hmm. Not that you were crossing a line, but that, that your friendship was impacting how this story was going to play out, or, or maybe, I mean, maybe that's why the film is so intimate, you know, that you were able to, like you said, you, you sort of had the trust right out of the gate, you know, the, the, the access that you were given is, is clearly a testament to, to you as a filmmaker, but I think also to the level of, 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 of friendship, I suppose, right? And, and, and camaraderie mm -hmm. and, and a sense of inclusiveness, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a really good question. And I think um, every single filmmaker wonders that at some point. Um, you know, like um, when, uh, I mean, from Aurelio or Matanda's point of view, they're very stubborn men. And mm -hmm. I, I think it would be really hard to get Aurelio to do anything that he didn't actually want to do. <laughs> I think I've that's been, probably true. Yeah, but I've been so intimately involved in their lives and their children's lives and their wives' lives and you know, um, just being there and being present for 10 years that I can't even begin to assume that I was, you know, that their lives weren't impacted by me in some right. way. You know, and I think, I, I, and I think that that's okay because this film isn't really about, um, you know, what was fact and this was, you know, something that happened in period of history. This is really their testimony. This is their story in how they remember it and how they are living it now and how they imagine it in the future. And that was the focus. There's no talking heads. There's no, you know, did this really happen or did this not? This is all about what they, um, what they feel was their true story. And I think that that changed over time. Mm -hmm. You know, there, when I asked them certain questions 10 years ago, very different than when I asked them five years right, ago. Right. Especially with respect to their friendship and the way they felt about each other and whether they were friends or not or whether they were always friends or not, like the, the story changed mm -hmm. um, depending on how they were feeling at that moment, you know? And they're very, you know, um, uh, during the screening that we had in Nairobi um, about uh, a month and a half ago or so, uh, you know, that friendship had already come back. You know, and it was incredible to see. But you know, for two or three years there, uh, the idea that they were ever friends right. <laughs> uh, didn't exist. But it was just their their memory and how they were perceiving things at the time. So I had to like understand where they were coming from, but also kind of know what my experience with them was and what their truth was at different points in their history. There's such a great uh, moment where uh, you kind of start the film with it, but you know the the, the you know back and forth with with a variety of different sort of storylines. But the the UN aspect to this that's really quite understated, and and Kofi Annan's appearance and the and the and the, and this petition that's signed. The thing that really kind of sent a shiver up my spine was when he was kind of congratulating really and saying you know good for you and thank you et cetera. And the line was. Uh, You've given, uh, basic my paraphrase, Peckian paraphrase here, sorry about that, but you've given this issue, or this, um, you've given this a, mil uh, a million faces. Yeah. And I so, I'm so glad you left that in the film, or you, sorry, mm -hmm. that you put that in the film. <laughs> mm -hmm. That did, for, for, for me, isn't, isn't that kind of what Gunrunners is about to some degree? Isn't that what great filmmaking is about to some degree? That, that it's actually, you know, putting us alongside of others in a way and giving them a face and saying, 
uh, you know, they're valued, they're included, they are part of this conversation. And I think too much of, I mean, when you look at what's going on politically and so on, it's so easy just to separate and divide. And it seems like that's what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as a filmmaker, I mean, that's the goal. That's like to, to really show someone's story and to show their growth and to show all the things that they've passed through. But the acknowledgement, and as you said it in that understated moment, that there's a million like it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and but that, that Arile and Matanda, their story can be a representation of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of so many other people. And it was actually something that the film board said to me in early days because, you know, my my main my main guys when I met them were in their early twenties already and the the question came from the, the film board, you know, but there's so many other like why don't you get somebody who's, you know, now ten and follow them for the next ten years. Right. Or something, you know? Right. And um the thing is is that everyone's got a story and if if you're willing to listen. Yeah. And long enough. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to um, say, you know, that's been one of the themes. The whole idea of being willing to listen has really been a theme for me for the last couple of years as a, as a, um, you know, as a writer and a podcaster and a teacher and working in international development. You know, how willing are we to actually shut, <laughs> shut up and, and, and relax and just listen? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Tell me a little bit. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up here, I think, shortly. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Are you sitting on another interview in the next little while? or? Let's just say that things keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. Um, you, I mean, 10 years, you, 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 you mentioned that you, you got typhoid uh, on the shoot. And, uh, you know, five years on your own and then five years, I guess, shooting with a team. Can you talk a little bit about some of those challenges? I'd love to hear little bit about that and 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 how you sort of overcame it it sounds sounds like quite a crazy shoot really yeah um a lot of the uh the the first part of the film when we were up shooting with the warriors um this is the group that you know um, my main characters Arila and Matanda had been um had been with for you know all of their youth and so on and during during that shoot when we were accompanying them on these incredible um kind of intense moments, I came down very ill with typhoid. And uh, we were maybe a 12-hour drive from Nairobi at that point wow. or something like yeah. that. So no, there was a local clinic, of course, no even thermometer and so on. And I had been, you know, um, running in behind the warriors <laughs> for this entire period. And then I, we got back to the, the little guest house that we were staying at. I just was so sore. Um, you know, I had aches and pains all over my body, and I was thinking, wow, I must be out of shape. I should probably try to run more. <laughs> Gotta start um, training it, again. Yeah, I know. I need, I need to train more to keep up with these guys. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and then I just realized how sick I was, and um, bless my team. They were, you know, so prepared for everything. One car went in one direction, 30 kilometers, and found a testing kit for, you know, malaria and typhoid, and another car went in another direction and uh, got some vials of some old antibiotics of some description. And, you know, and then when those cars came back, they drove me 30 kilometers in another direction to find a, a nurse hmm. um, uh, who could administer it. And he, you know, um, did, you know, <laughs> it was very old school, mm. some like, you know, 
uh, slides of some description, some different color liquids, and we didn't really know what was going on. But as soon as I had the first shot, um, that was the road to recovery. Mm, but wow. It was it was a bit touch and go. I think as somebody who's worked as a foreign correspondent in, in, in Kenya and across the entire continent and also into Asia, um, that's definitely not the, the sketchiest thing that's happened to me. Um, but each of these experiences just make you so appreciative of like a really good team, sure, a really good I community. Bet. Like even even you know Matanda and Arile throughout this entire process, from removing splinters from the bottoms of my feet to who knows what else have wow. have cared for me incredibly during the way. So um, it's uh, it's always important to have people around you when you're working in those really really difficult um, situations that are they're going to have your back. I would, they you'll have their back. I, I would I mean, film students could, could so benefit from, from you writing about the experience, from you, I mean, doing part two with me about the experience and just saying, here's how the heck we made this thing. I mean, it's fascinating. Ten years, that's incredible. Uh, I know, I know, and, you know, that's not that odd for a, a documentary, but at the same time, some of the challenges that you guys must have come across, just even from a storytelling perspective, like you say about how perspectives change so much over a 10-year period and shooting by yourself mm-hmm. and sound and, and losing footage and all these kinds of things. It's just such a huge testament to your um, tenacity. And I mean, you were running a race, right? I was. Yeah. We, we, we often think about it and, yeah. you know, that, that whole idea of the, the race starts at, what, 35 or 37 kilometers. And that's really, you know, we, we, we even saw, you know, Matanda, my main character's political journey really as a marathon for him. Wow. And our cool. journey as a marathon. So great. The reality is even that now that we've stepped over the, the slight finish line, you know, right. and premiered, um, the journey is still yet to come because, you know, the, the film itself is going to theatrical in the fall. Oh, that's and, amazing. Uh, over the summer in Australia. Oh, good uh, for you. A few different cities um, in Canada, at least in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver at this point. Wow. So we're so hoping good. that, uh, you know, um, a relay might be able to get out to the Toronto Marathon, for example. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, to, uh, to run and then also to be here for the screening. So there's a lot left to, to, to kind of do with the film and just in terms of the educational, like, the components. Oh, and, absolutely. There's... You know, just... The, the arms trade and the global arms trade, like the treaties for control arms, so many things that um, oh, this, and like now, a, even though this film wasn't about social issues, yeah. there's so many different things well, that the, to the, be applied to. The, the beautiful thing about it is if you are willing, you know, your words, willing to listen as an audience member, if you aren't coming out of this with some kind of new light shining in some particular form of darkness in your own life, then you didn't mm-hmm. have your eyes opened. I mean, we got education, we got family, we got violence, we got gender issues. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, actually, <laughs> in in such a brilliant way. So, well, listen, Angie Lee, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, the movie is Gun Runners. Um, Gun Runners is the American dream, Kenyan style, is a line right off of the National Film Board's website. What uh, and when, um, more importantly, will it be released? So you say in the fall. Do you know yet, or is it the kind of thing that people just need to keep their eye out for? Well, definitely we have some screenings, I think, in June and July in Australia. Okay. We've got um, the theatrical starting in Canada in end of September, early October, so please stay tuned to that. Okay. And we're hoping that, again, it will go all over the U.S., and it'll go over it, like, around the world. So, Amazing. Um, Good for you. The place is uh, at Gunrunners Movie, the, the Twitter 
account and to at Angelina Iyer, my name, and we'll keep you posted. Yeah, and we will put all of that in the bio, and I'll try to put a link or two. I'll put a link or two to the NFB site. We'll, we'll do our best to get word on the street. Uh, next project? Next project uh, should be out next year. It's oh. still a very long journey. Um, Liberian activists wow. using technology to kind of break borders and change their world. Wow. So uh, wow. it's, uh, another five-year project. You doing anything on, you know, anything uh, comedic in the near future? <laughs> uh, well, the third film that is that is actually, um, um, we're, we're probably entering post-production soon, is about an Afro-electric pop group that wants to go oh. to space. Oh, that's so awesome. So is that comedic? Or I guess so, yeah. No, I, I was just kind of making a joke about, hey, you take on the, you take on serious stuff. I love it. It's awesome. No, I take on life. You I take, take on, on life. life. Nice. It's, it's got its funny moments, and it's got its hard moments. There's the T-shirt nice. that, that I'll talk to the publicist, Pat, about that NFB has to say that she t- she takes on life. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. The film is Gunrunners. Uh, Angelina and I are with us today on Face to Face. Thanks so much. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 